Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. It's a special edition, if you want to call it that, of the podcast this week. Brad is not here with us, as you can see. He's down in New Orleans dealing with Hurricane Ida. Looks like we're all going to be dealing with it if the weather forecasts are accurate. But let's get ready to go. It's Bonnaroo Week. How are you? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're already up and recording. Up you and going. This most unusual of episodes that we've maybe ever done. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've ever done an episode without Brad, have we? I think we did one or two. I know I've done a couple of interviews without him, and he did, you know, the one with Ed um, Ed O'Brien. Uh, yeah. But certainly not for the reason that we're about to talk about. <laughs> Here it is, uh, Bonnaroo week, right? Bonnaroo I mean, week. Literally, yeah. in, a, in just a few short days, we'll be on the farm. Um, whether Brad is or not, we won't know. You won't know till probably game day. Yeah, it's weird. We've been, um, you know, looking forward to this for two years, getting back together on the farm. And here within the last week, it seems like everything's up in the air. We, like we're back to just, we have no idea what's going on. No idea what's going on for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. Biggest and the most frightening is Hurricane Ida, which is why Brad is uh, not with us today or this week. For those of you who are expecting, you know, to have his picks, it, it was supposed to be this week. Uh, he was geared up for it, and then starting Friday, he's been in meeting after meeting after meeting about the radio station and the hurricane and the impact it's going to have and figuring out how he's going to keep the station up and going. So his mind is on other things. Yeah, and um, as we're recording this right now, it's you know Sunday morning. I think last I checked, Ida was scheduled to hit uh the coast or the uh, gulf right what about lunchtime today oh uh, is it moved oh. out it was supposed to have been this evening the last, last oh, was night it this evening? well that was okay. last night so i I, yeah. I haven't checked in other than i opened my phone app and saw that giant storm and uh he's really concerned for a couple of reasons one the the right side is is what's going to hit where he is and that's the one apparently with all the tornadoes and the 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 heavy wind and rain and all of that. And, uh, yeah. Second, secondarily, um, he's only lived there a year or so, but the people that he knows and trusts 
who have been through this say this is going to be bad. They're, they're not want, you know, they're not typically, uh, they don't oversell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to pay attention when they say it's going to be bad. Yeah. And this is, this is what 14 years after Katrina right. almost to the day. Right. 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 Anniversary. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that's where Brad is. Uh, fortunately, um, we had an interview with, uh, Krungbin, uh, that we did Friday, uh, that yep. we were going to do probably post sometime during the festival. And now it looks like that will be our episode this week. So we've got them coming up here shortly. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. We had, uh, Laura Lee and uh, DJ, um, uh, Mark Spear was, uh, was the third member who was not on the show, but really fascinating. I thought talking to them, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that set Friday night in the, on the witch stage. Uh, I think they're a perfect Bonnaroo act. I could just, I think we talked about, I talked with Laura Lee about you, you know, there are some bands that you hear and you can just picture yourself in the, on the field there in the farm. And I think they're one of them. Yeah. They were not one of my picks. Uh, but after listening to that interview and, uh, listening to some of their music, I'm thinking I want to check it out now. Yeah. And definitely, I know Matt there, it's opposite Mastodon, unfortunately. So, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you can catch some of it. Uh, maybe I can, maybe I can catch a little bit of it. Yeah. And there's also some news in there from, from Laura Lee and it, it should have been obvious. It should have been evident. Um, and maybe it's not, I don't think it's a hard, fast rule. I know it applies to them, but, uh, you know, typically at Bonnaroo, we talk a lot about the collaborations and people sitting in and, and also the bands that will stay and go hear friends or bands they want to see. And, uh, she said, they're not even, they're not even bringing family or guests. It's get off the bus, play, get back on the bus and leave. Um, yeah. Uh, she made a good point because if, you know, they're depending on this next tour and if any of them, you know, get sick or test positive, they've got to scrap the whole thing. So they have to be very careful. And yeah, that means they can't do any, you always, you always dream about, Oh, who are they going to bring up on stage? Are they going to collab with this person or that person? Not this year. Not this year. You're right. It's probably going to be the case for a lot of these artists that uh, just depend on touring in order to uh, make a living and they don't want to put anything at risk that would cause them to cancel a tour. That's exactly right. Yeah. Leon Bridges being the one that triggered me to ask the question because he's on the bill, but he's uh, Sunday um, night. So the timing wasn't going to be right anyway, but it's, it seemed like an obvious yeah. kind of question yeah. to ask. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's when she said, no, they're, they're going to pack up and get out, um, you know, do their set, which she promises is going to be pretty epic, pretty, uh, they're they're bringing it as she said so yeah yeah i'm looking looking forward forward to it it. yeah but yeah i mean getting in and getting it out you're not going to have artists that just come and experience the whole weekend you know like you would during a normal year i guess yeah one thing we'll have to look at i'm gonna uh, look out for um probably when most of you are listening to this it'll be wednesday evening or thursday morning so you will already have dealt with the rain and the mud um that's that's the other big news um, that I was thinking about that, though. They won't open Centeru until Thursday. Correct. So there won't be, you know, 80,000 people uh, walking through mud mud holes there uh, out in, in GA is where everybody will be. So um, 
hopefully that doesn't uh, become like it has in the past. Uh, you know, they've done mm -hmm. a lot of landscaping and and stuff like that to prepare for things like this. Um, yeah, I, I read some posts, um, I think, from a guy named Eric. I think he's down there working on Bonnaroo, like setting up some of the uh, structures and all that. And he said right now the field is very dry. And they did have some rain, you know, last week. Right. Uh, so he said that that land can soak up a lot of water. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's good. It's going to be good for us probably by the time Thursday and Friday rolls around, it'll be fine. But yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday when a lot of people are coming in and setting up, it could be rainy, could be muddy. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that also affects travel. If you're traveling a long way, you're going to be driving sure does. some rain and you're probably going to hit traffic because uh, you've still got people evacuating from New Orleans. That's and, right. Yeah. And setting up so a, a campsite in the rain is, uh, is not a lot of fun. Never fun. I've had to do it. <laughs> yeah. Setting up or breaking down either one. Well, the good news is it's happening. Uh, also good news is once the rain does get out of here, the weather is going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, it looks that way. Low eighties, which is, amazing for a Bonnaroo so so that's very good um anything else any other <laughs> feels like every day is something something new I know every day it feels like we have another snag or another you know monkey wrench thrown in there but um gotta stay positive by the time we get there and set everything up open that first beer it'll yeah. be a wonderful weekend yeah that's it exactly just I, getting I, to that point I actually talked to Brad and uh, our campmate Brian Stone on Saturday and uh, Stones, if there's a curmudgeon in the group, it's probably Brian, but he's the same way. Yeah. He's like, man, I'm, you know, no attitude, nothing we can do about it. You know, just be prepared. And yeah. I talked to him last night and he said pretty much the same thing. He, it's a, it's a weird year. There's a lot of stuff up in the air, but we'll just roll with it and it'll all work out. It always does. I mean, he and I are the, the worst probably he, we've talked about it until we are there. Like you say, and open that first beer, you know, mm -hmm. we're always worried that something's going to happen and it never yeah. does. And it's always better than we anticipated. So it, I even spoke to Ken Weinstein Saturday as well. And uh, he's the guy who came up with never, not great. And mm -hmm. He's never been wrong. So <laughs> he's never been wrong. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's get into our um, interview with uh, Krungbin. And uh, I guess we should, well, we can come, we'll do it. Let's do, let's listen to that and then we'll talk about the other thing here in a little bit. All right. There's so many things I want to get to. You guys, uh, and if I jump all over, forgive me, that's just how I operate. I don't know how else to do it, but. I have to say, you guys might have one of the coolest Wikipedia pages I've ever read. Um, oh, the, I haven't checked it out in a while. I hope it's uh, doing us justice. Well, I hope so, and that's what I'd love to know if it's it's if it's wrong. It sure sounds made up, but how you guys got together and your influences and where you'd go and do and all that is pretty incredible. Um, so I guess we'll start there. What's the ride been like? I mean, when you, when you started, did you imagine, could you imagine? No, I mean, the actual really starting point. I mean, the three of us had burgers every Tuesday for three years before we started a band. And it was one fateful Tuesday night that I 
you know, I had already convinced Mark to be in a band with me and we, we had dinner with DJ. We're like, hey, Deej, will you be in our band? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hard um, sell, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were sitting at the bar at Rudyard's and, uh, and yeah, the two of them kind of leaned over like this. Like, will you be in our band? I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> But you yeah. and you and Mark knew each other from what church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played at the same church for about ten yeah. years together. That's what I mean. For people who aren't familiar, it sort of starts with church, and then I guess you, the bar, and then you wanted to do Thai, you had Thai funk and Jamaican music. And Lori Lee, you and Mark had a right an affinity for Afghan music. Is that? I was studying um, art and architecture from that part of the world at school. And he uh, he has this documentary that he loves. I can't remember what it's called right now. Something with silence in it, but it's a, it's a documentary about music from there. And when I met Mark, he was watching that. Um, I was friends with his housemate. I went to his house and he was watching that documentary. And it was like so specifically about the same thing I was studying that yeah. it was impossible for us not to be immediate friends. Um, but I, I mean, when we had burgers every Tuesday for those three years, I wasn't playing bass that whole time. Like I, you know, um, I didn't know music was in my future. Um, and then I think that's probably why I decided to start a band and really go for it was because I was naive (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and I really pushed for it. And it took a while, you know, we started the band in 2010 and we didn't start touring until 2016, end of, yeah, end of 2015, maybe. Um, And our first, you know, run of shows was in London. And so I can't imagine what it was like for DJ, but it's sort of like to have joined this band, nothing happens for five years. And then I'm like, hey, you need to put work on hold for a month, (laughs) come to the UK. Wow. What was it like, DJ? Terrifying. <laughs> um, part the quitting work or the, or the pausing work or the travel, all of it? No, no, I didn't actually quit. I am um, pausing. I, I couldn't. Yeah, we couldn't quit our jobs quite yet. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I had to um, find a way to you know get some money, and um, we did. Uh, my wife was like super super supportive of like I don't remember any like negative anything about it when I brought it up to her she was just like immediately like go wow wow yeah um so yeah it was nothing like I grew up seeing on television um where you gotta you know do the thing and it was nothing like that she um you know she's super supportive and we went over and thankfully it all worked out yeah, I was going to say pretty quickly, right? I mean, so 2015 by 2017, you're at Bonnaroo. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I still feel like it's been, it hasn't been a complete, like, shot up. There has been a nice gradual incline to everything. Um, and I'm grateful for that from a, an emotional, mental health perspective. Um, but I think at the beginning, those like that first, you know, run of shows in the UK. So sort of like, even if that was all that it was, it was still worth doing 
because it was like, when are you going to have the opportunity again to come play in London? You know, right. these shows, these songs that we wrote in a barn are now making it all the way to the UK. And that felt special enough. And now it's become this whole thing. Um, and there's been so many beautiful adventures and stories along the way. Um, yeah. Well, one of them, and I'll go ahead and address it be because it's the five bazillion pound you know, elephant in the room and you're wearing the t-shirt is, uh, the McCartney thing, right? I mean, so you go from 2015, not even playing <laughs> bass to you're playing for one of the best bass players in the world. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good arc. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I'm very loud and proud wearing this t-shirt. I, I, uh, I would be, yeah. <laughs> I might have to get a dozen of them so I can keep wearing them. Yeah. Well, tell me about that experience though. Both of you. I mean, I remember we actually, we got a text about it, which is a really funny way to get news delivered. Um, but it was one of my favorite days over quarantine. It was still in, you know, still in like the height of everyone being locked down. Um, and I was in this room and saw the, our like band management text thread with this popping up. And I remember literally rolling on the floor because I didn't know what to do. I was like, what do you do with this? It's, you know, one of the most legendary people ever. Um, and I grew up listening to the Beatles, like very, they were very, very, very much a part of my childhood. So having that come was crazy. Um, and I got to talk to him on the phone and he left me a voicemail that I have saved in like five different places in my computer and in the air. <laughs> um, I get it. Yeah, it was incredible. I get it. I, I, um, I was uh, able to take photographs uh, in the pit for the 2013 show and it's, it's my screensaver and it all, you know, it, for me, it was same with you. I didn't roll around on the floor only because I didn't think of it. <laughs> How about yeah, you, DJ? And it was, yeah, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Um, I, I mean, it's it's funny. Like I um, I I don't really. So in my day to day life, I kind of I'm kind of really subdued, and I don't really talk about what I do um, to people that may not uh, know what I do. So I remember this one specific moment, like after, um, after the song had come out, I was on a basketball court. We were, at, we were actually at a church, at a church gym. And, um, you know, it's a spot I play at once a week. And, um, you know, one of the guys I play with, he kind of knows what I do. And I think maybe it popped up, you know, online somewhere. And, you know, again, we're in a church gym about to play ball and he walks up to me like dude what the f <laughs> <laughs> like you he's like you did a song with paul mccartney and i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was uh it was a really funny moment to like hear like a super loud blast of profanity at a church gym uh over that but uh but yeah i mean it was super special like my um i know my mom gets a kick out of it my mom and my aunt are really big Krungvin fans. And uh, <laughs> like anytime something like that happens, they're, um, you know, they're completely over the moon about it. And um, yeah, it, 
still yeah. kind of pinching ourselves about it. I'm gonna say I think that. it was also I was gonna say it's also like it was a real quarantine miracle for us. It was a COVID year miracle because it was the first thing that got us back in the studio was that working on that song. Um, but also we probably wouldn't have been able to do it had we not had the year that we had because we would have been on the road and we probably wouldn't have had time to figure that out. So I'm so happy that that was yeah. a, a really beautiful line, silver lining. Yeah. I wonder if that's not true for um, the album in general. A lot of, a yeah. lot of folks that, you know, timing worked out, but I was also going to say, say, DJ, I'm going to, I think even the Lord would probably forgive that outburst. <laughs> <laughs> Seems spot on to me. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the funniest moments yeah oh, man. i'm gonna say if you know if there's a time evident plays that was it <laughs> <laughs> um but you guys do a lot of collaborations i mean that one stands out to me obviously and, and obviously to you guys but i mean how do you, you do a lot of them and they're the leon bridges one i love um there's just so many how do they come about? Are they things you guys seek? Are they things that other people suggest? Um, I really think collaborations are, they, they just happen or they don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think people that we've sought out to work with at different times where we're really kind of pushing for it to happen or reaching out to, you know, has, have you worked on this? And you kind of like, if you're in that, rhythm it's probably not going to happen okay um when it works it just works the um, uh the, the j electronica is another one the api dta the i was listening to exactly. that this morning that That's, thing man that hit me right in the feels uh that one I, I lost my dad about two months ago and uh, that's the thing is i miss being able to pick up the phone and call him you yeah. know, or seeing uh, my mom will every now and then use his cell phone. So it'll ring in as dad, you know, uh, that's a powerful song. Um, Thank you. And I didn't mean to interrupt your, your train. Oh, of no, but... I mean, that's exactly one of those things. We, I mean, we really had nothing to do with that. You know, they, they lifted the entire track um, and, you know, performed over it. Um, and we got the call that they wanted to use it and, we listened to it with them on the phone and approved it and it happened, but it was like, it just happened really easily. And from speaking to them about their experience with the song and their experience of loss, it, the song really resonated with them and it, it just worked. And I think that's how that happens. You know, um, that was certainly a special day. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. powerful. DJ, is that something that you, uh all the collaborations is that something that you would have imagined 10 years ago that you were doing would be doing and it and even now is it something that you seek out or do they uh like Laura Lee was saying they just sort of happen and I wouldn't have imagined any of this happening like 10 years ago like what 10 years ago would have been 2011 so um yeah musically I think um I mean, 2011, we're, we were pretty much just starting out, um, uh, kind of just playing our first shows at that point. So um, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't have seen 
where we are now. And I think collaborations work best organically. It's not a, um, usually when it's a thing where you got, you know, two managers that are talking to each other and like, hey, you should, you know, have our artists have a play date. You know, it may work um, in, in some cases for, um, for some people or some artists, but that's not really how uh, we get down. There has to be a, a connection uh, that happens. And for one, I mean, the artists have to like each other. You know, you can't mm-hmm. put two people in a room that, that don't really dig what the other is doing and expect something special to come out of it. You know, it's gonna feel uh, contrived in a way. Um, but, but yeah, that wasn't the case with, uh, with Leon. We were, uh, like I said, in the most organic way, we were on tour together in 2018. Uh, we were sub, uh, we were supporting Leon and just getting to hang out with people from day to day. Uh, and not just Leon, his entire band and crew, we were, we became like family on the road. Um, and you know, when you tour with, someone like that and it's really special you kind of want to hold on to it like anytime we see those uh, that entire crew it's like a family reunion we just ran into them uh recently in iowa uh when they were just getting started back up we played the same festival and yeah it was just like a family reunion seeing seeing everybody again and um but yeah i mean in the most organic way um that's that's what's best and it i mean sort of obvious we, well, at least especially at that point, we had very little lyrics and singing on our song. So it's like, here's the band, there's the singer, boom, you know? Because um, I'll see comments online. It's like, oh, Krongman should collaborate with Santana. And it's like, well, who plays lead? Yeah, it gelled really quickly. Leon was at a couple of our like sound checks or during our set before him, I'd see him side stage singing over our songs, but not singing what we were singing, singing yeah. just sort of, you know, freestyling. And um, we sent him a track that we we had in the vault. And literally like not 12 hours later, did he send it back to us with, with lyrics on it. And was like, well, all we have to do is go into the studio for a day and record this. Um, and then obviously, it was like that worked so why don't we do it again and again <laughs> um but have, what a special project i have to ask you don't have to answer but he's on the bill any chance so uh, you guys work yeah. sing to get together like two, two days apart yeah it's uh yeah unfortunately yeah i know sometimes it, folks will stick around but to see things but you guys are busy so yeah, we're also having to operate a little bit differently. Um, I was actually Good planning point. to stay for the whole festival, but I have had to pull out because of we have to make sure that we don't get sick. I mean, we're all sure, vaccinated, sure. but you can still carry. And the second one of us positive, we have to cancel our tour. So we're having to take more serious precaution than you know we thought we would. Let me ask you about that, if you don't mind, just because I, I do wonder and I want to. Like I said, we're going to bounce around, but how is yeah. this different? You were there in 2017, uh, and, I, and I want to get to the stage part of it next. Mm-hmm. But as far as just like some of this protocol stuff, uh, is it just yeah. you get a, you're on the bus till it's your turn to play, and then you're back on the bus and you got to leave? Is it that tight type of thing? Yep. Wow. 
It yeah. is indeed. Um, Keeping it really tight. Wow. Yeah. It's in no family, no guests, no, that's no fun, but <laughs> different, you know, it's going to be restrictive. Um, we can't go see other acts. We can't do anything outside of our bubble um, because that puts the tour at risk. And ultimately we want to keep touring and hopefully this, this period will pass and we can open that bubble up ASAP. Yeah. Um, but we want to play the shows and this kind of ensures the best possible chance that we can finish our tour. That's a great point though. Cause I know on our show, we talk a lot about in the past, the collaborations is a big part of Bonnaroo. And I guess right. I didn't, it makes perfect sense, but it didn't click till just now there, there won't be kind of hard to do that. Yeah. 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 Everybody has different boundaries and, and, you know, um, but also everybody has a different tour schedule and we have quite some pretty important shows coming up, you know, obviously yep. Bonnaroo at the, you know, at the top of that list. So we want to make sure we do everything to keep them. It, one of the other things that we talk about a lot on this show is there are certain bands, certain sounds that you hear that immediately can take you mentally to a field in Manchester, Tennessee, listening to this particular type of music. And you guys are, are, are one of those. Um, one of my favorites is my morning jacket. I mean, I just think that's a perfect, you know, festival outdoor field kind of thing. And every time I hear it, I can see myself. You guys played the, this tent in 2017. I think you were bottom line. Now you're oh, yeah. second line and you're on the witch stage, which is my favorite stage, really. Um, we talked about already sort of, you know, 2015, you were not doing anything and you, you now played, you know, recorded a McCartney song. What's that transition like to go from this stage in 2017, you know, bottom line to, second from the top now and you're going to play the witch stage i will say it's i mean we have we have played the festival circuit you know since 2016 um so we have felt the gradual incline um in the stages so luckily it hasn't been going literally from this stage to which stage but it is crazy to see our name so high up on the bill you know um it's a, it's a particular feeling. I don't know how to explain. Um, but I remember that show. I remember I forgot how to play our most popular song in that set. And it was a really sweet moment because I had to figure it out and everybody was patient with me while we restarted the song. Um, <laughs> and it was just one of those moments, those great moments where it's like a mistake or something that you wouldn't want to happen actually makes the show more memorable um but yeah I'm, I'm excited to come back it having been so long it's one of the great festivals in the states and i think what i really appreciate about bonnaroo is like the spirit and the energy of everybody that goes there but also the fact that there's so much live music that happens at bonnaroo and that is the thing where a lot of the shows we're playing right now not in a bad way but we're we're kind of the minority 
and being a live band sometimes. So it's good to be at a live music festival. I'm, I'm trying to picture that moment where you forgot the song. How did that, I mean, I don't mean to belabor it, oh. but it's an interesting story. How did it, I mean, how far in were you and you just. Oh, it was the very and... beginning, very beginning of the song. It was like my brain farted um, probably from nerves. And yeah, I was like, wait a second. And then I relearned it and, um, and everybody cheered, you know, <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's, that's pretty cool. Do you guys, when you work, when you create a song, um, do you think about things like how it will sound in a field in Manchester or a, a venue at all? I know you record in a in a barn, right? Um, we do. Which I'm sure has its own vibe and sound and everything. Um, we do now. Um, we do think about it now. I think it's impossible not to be influenced by the road. Um, and thinking about how songs translate but it's certainly not we don't approach the song how we will approach it live we re we approach it for the record and then we adapt adapt it to a live setting when it comes time the um i lost my train of thought there first i just had one of your <laughs> re relearn what i'm doing here uh, you were talking earlier about the songs and they, them working with other artists. Um, how, how do you, what's the process for you guys when you go in? Do you, do you rehearse a lot of things while you're on the road, write songs, and then they're ready to go when you go into the, the studio space? Or do you go in wide open and see where it goes? No, we do a lot of uh pre-production before we go into the barn. Uh, so we'll, we'll pass around ideas and Mark kind of puts them together in Ableton and kind of fleshes out a roadmap, so to speak. And then we learn that and we go into the barn and record that live, basically, the three of us. Um, and it's funny, just piggybacking on your last point of how, um, you know, thinking about how things sound at festivals. When we recorded um, Mordecai, I believe that that session happened over a two-week period. And it was kind of sandwiched in between uh, touring because we, I believe we literally played Coachella and then we left Coachella, we went into the barn to finish recording. And then we went back and played the second weekend at Coachella. I, I believe that's how it went in my head. I mean, it was, it's such a blur because it all kind of ran together. But definitely, I mean, when you're, um, when you're recording basically in the middle of a tour, it, it definitely influences um, the sound. But yes, we try to have it pre-produced before we go in. Um, and then we play it together, uh, play a few takes. And usually around the second or third take is the one we're, we're holding on to. With the exception yeah. of one song, which we played literally 80 times because it never felt right. <laughs> and it, we never got the take. We never. <laughs> But we figured it, I mean, we got the take. We just didn't feel like we got the take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I will, it's like, we, we come in with 
ideas, I would say there's very little fully realized. Mm. Um, the fully realization part comes when we're together. Um, because I kind of feel like the theme of every album or whatever the concept is, is actually just whatever happens in that period at the barn. Because in order to record at the barn, we have to load up. I mean, I think for Mordecai, we had four U-Hauls, three or four U-Hauls worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think every recording session, we've added a U-Haul um, of what we bring out there. Because um, our engineer has to load up all of his gear and go out to the barn, set it up. So there's usually like at least two days of setup time. And then we record. And then when the time is over, it's like, we can't go out there. We can't just pop into the barn for an extra day okay. session. It's a, it's a whole ordeal. So whatever gets captured in that time period is what we have to work with for the record. Yeah. And it doesn't always feel like we have what we need when, you know, by the time the session's over, by the time we're leaving, because that's actually what happened with Mordecai. We didn't think we had enough uh, to work with. And you give it time, you give it some space and you come back and you start to open things up and listen to um, the pieces that you have. And it's like, oh, well, maybe we do. I think we do. There's something here. We just have to, you know, kind of find it and, and piece it together. Yeah, I remember one of those tracks you found late in the game. I think we probably had 14 tracks that we recorded. We knew we were going to pick 10 because so far all of our albums have had 10 songs. Mm -hmm. And one of the 10 wasn't working. And DJ was like, hey, let's pull up, you know. Yeah, Spain. <laughs> it was called Spain. Yeah, it's now not called Spain. <laughs> but um, Nothing to do like, with the actual song Chicoria, Spain. It was... Uh, it was called Spain because it was an idea that we fleshed out. We were in a sound check in Spain. Um, yeah. And I, we were playing this groove and I took my phone out of my pocket, sat it on the floor, Tom, uh, like I often do when we're just kind of playing around at sound check and I recorded it. And I was like, this is, this is really cool. We should come back and, you know, revisit this later. So we did. And that was one of the ideas we, uh, recorded in the barn uh, but we didn't really feel like it it worked out at the time I think we were kind of just in our heads a little bit because it always takes a step back for us to when we're in it we can't really see it or feel it but right. when you take a step back and you kind of recontextualize, recontextualize it and think of it in a different way it, it changes um, yeah ironically the song that we had, we had Spain as the working title for was an Ethiopian groove. Um, and I think the reason that it wasn't gonna make the record was because it sounded too Ethiopian and it didn't sound like a twist, there wasn't a twist um, sonically. And it became Conase de Fas on Mordecai, which is, we sing in French and we have, Mark and I have this sort of spoken word uh, conversation back and forth on top of it, which created like a, French cinematic feeling over it. And then that blend of influence felt like it created something new and nothing too on the nose. Two things. And I want to go back just a little bit. You mentioned theme. Um, and I, I asked this of a lot of artists, do you go in with the theme or do you at the end when you have 10 or 15 songs realize, Oh, these are connected 
in this way or that way. And there's the theme. The or does latter. it even matter? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think I have tried, um, because I, 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 I'm like an artist, uh, in general, I like play with different, you know, different forms of art that I will try to put a theme together and a, it never really works. Um, but B, I think that it's right for the music to come first. It's like yeah. the music comes first and you let the music do what it wants to do and unfold the way it wants to. And then you see, you, there's, there are themes, you'll see them. Right. And you don't actually have to force them onto the song. Right. And then if you've got, I guess you've got eight and you're looking for nine and 10, nine and yeah. 10, you'll find the ones that fit exactly. along those lines. And, and, and I think I know the answer, but um, kind of going back to the Wikipedia page, you guys, and you mentioned Ethiopia and Spain and I mentioned Jamaica and Thai. And I mean, and you mentioned four now five U-Hauls. Uh, and this is another thing that's always fascinated me with creatives is I mean, how do you not get brain locked? I mean, especially with a group like yours um, that embraces so many influences, it's, it would seem you could go into it and, and, and just want to throw too many things, too many spices into the food. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes it's it, just a couple of spices makes it perfect. Um, I think... That's the beauty of the three of us. We all have the different roles that we play and we curate each other. Um, I would say that out of the three of us, Mark is plagued with what you're talking about more than the two of us. Like he, he has so many ideas and he's listening to so much music and he wants to incorporate so many things that sometimes he can, he gets, you know, crazy eyes a little bit and and thinking and DJ and I will usually pull pull back because um, sometimes it doesn't. Simplicity seems to be the thing that really sings when it can. Um, so yeah, I think it's just checking each other sometimes. Or if we get to that headspace where it's getting too convoluted and we work on another song, we just stop and work mm -hmm. on another song and come back because it's a, the power of circling back around and taking a break from things and letting things simmer is so valuable. Um, I find it in so many aspects of my life. I do the New York Times crossword every day and it's amazing. If I get stuck, I just like leave it for 30 yeah. minutes and come back and boom. Yeah. Somehow yeah. all those answers were in my head the whole time. Yeah, me too. Then it makes perfect. I do it uh, the same puzzle and I'm the same way. And I also remember, yeah. I think it was Robert Frost or somebody that said, he would write a poem, put it in a desk drawer and leave it for a year and come back and wonder who the hell had been touching his poem, you know, <laughs> who messed it up, who screwed with it or whatever. But uh, yeah. just a couple more. And again, I can't thank you guys so much enough rather for, uh, for taking the time to do this. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. Um, the Thanks whole songwriting process thing is, it's just amazing. Um, the, and it, kind of goes again to the same thing with all of the influences and and forgive me if it's such an obvious question but what are what is the thing or the things that tie it all together i mean when somebody sees a lot of influences i mean there's bands that are 
straight ahead. They're, you know, they're, they know their lane, their lane is whatever it is. Uh, and then there are guys like you who just like to listen and, and pull from here and there. What is there, what are the things that connect the influences, the musics that you listen to? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I know that I would say the three of us have different tastes in music. Um, we all, the three of us all listen to different things. Um, I can think of, there's probably, there's probably music that each of us listen to that the other two may not listen to that goes for all of us. But in the Venn diagram, Krung Venn is what we all like, yeah. you know, what, where the circles meet in a sense. Yeah. I'd say that's the only way to describe it. It's where it's, it's the thing that connects all those things is, is whatever the three of us all like. Um, and it, is it, and, fair to, yeah. is it fair to say it's a vibe or a groove or it just can vary? It can be all those things. I think a vibe is probably the closest thing to say. Okay. Um, Cause there are, the, you know, in terms of grooves, they, they vary so much from, especially if you're listening right. to music from other places, they change so much, but I think there's, you know, an energy that seems to resonate with all of us. And um, the more and more I'm in this band, uh, the more I realize Krungbin just sounds like the sum of its parts. And it's like, you know, when people ask me to define us or what's our genre and it's like, our genre is Mark, DJ and me, that's it. Right. I don't, I don't know what else to say, you know? Right. No, I get that. <laughs> All right. Uh, any surprises for the show? You guys are going to play 845 on the witch stage on Friday. So it's a great lead in to the Foo Fighters that night. And mastodon will be over there so if you you know i know i'm a little bummed we're playing at the same time as mastodon um, it always happens but, I know it's 2017 yeah. you did a james brown cover right is there is bonnaroo sort of famous for their surprises are you guys got anything planned special for next it's a week from today man that just hit yeah, me between the we're, eyes <laughs> we're definitely uh we're definitely trying to bring you know put our best foot forward for bonnaroo um i don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot or count any chickens before they hatch, but we're, we're going to try to bring it. Awesome. Just put it that way. Yeah. DJ Laura Lee. I can't thank you again enough. Uh, I'm so looking forward to seeing you guys in one week. I'm, I, I'm thank really you so excited much. about it. All right. Thanks cool. guys. Really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right, so that was Laura Lee and DJ, and as you heard her say there at the end, they're looking forward to uh, putting on a special show uh, Friday, Friday night, 8.30 uh, um, on the Witch Stage at Bonnaroo. We, we are there. That's the, the one thing, other thing I want to talk to you about is what we're going to be doing. Uh, if you're listening to this, I'm going to assume it's Wednesday, uh, maybe Thursday morning. Uh, our hope and plan is to have as many updates as we can. Uh, they won't be hour-long shows, I don't think. Um, we may try to not turn out some 10, 15, 20-minute. I don't want to put a time limit on it, but as we find news and, and find features, 
uh, we hope to get them out there and uh, we're going to work with the guys at consequence to get them up as quickly as we can and, and maybe even have some uh, some written updates in addition to yeah we want to get out as many morsels out as we can whether it's a 10 or 15 minute deal or you know hopefully we'll get some interviews too that we can publish after the after the festival yeah definitely that's that's the plan so all right well a weird show not a not a planned show (laughs) yeah i I know we were all hoping to hear brad's picks i was looking forward to it i know i even had a uh drinking game which he wasn't happy about i i we were gonna, I was going to propose that we have a drink every time he talks about one of his picks because he's had dinner with him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I got that much PBR to drink <laughs> for that drinking exactly. game. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't happy about that idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the uh, other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, you know, the map came out a couple days ago. Right, right, right. And I know we all had a big <laughs> three-way argument over what moved and what's changed and you know like you said we're all just arguing over a cartoon map (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was funny because it illustrates the passion that everybody we all have i don't i don't think Mm -hmm. we were alone you know we were we were i didn't go so far as get a ruler out and measure things to (laughs) fail or anything but it got close i know we we were picking it apart i mean just every little thing (laughs) what where's this road why isn't this showing over here and yeah i do i i I have heard that our campsite is going to be in the same place as it was and i think that was the the biggest cause for concern or angst or whatever you want to call it yeah that was my confusion because i haven't been back there as many times as y'all have so i'm not as familiar with you know what goes where but so but we're going to be pretty much the same spot yeah i mean there are some definite changes like like we've said calliope is gone the uh, silent disco looks like it's in a different corner moved mm-hmm. kind of over uh, the, where Calliope was and yeah the big one everybody noticed was no snake and jakes right right so and uh it looks like that's going to be they painted it white that's going to be the uh house of matrimony yeah. where the uh dolly parton impersonator will will marry you if you if you want to man if i had wasn't already married dang it (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah no i that's that will be the big thing for us thursdays when we get there to see what's changed do the walk around and figure out what's changed and uh, yeah which is another shame we can't get in wednesday because isn't that normally when they do the press yeah they're not doing not doing the walkthrough yeah Uh, but that's all right it's going to be raining wednesday so there's trade yeah it's almost kind of like you know, we've been upset we can't get in Wednesday. Now it looks like eh, that's probably going to be okay. <laughs> Thursday's going to be fine. I do like getting in Wednesday because you and for people who are traveling, uh, it's it, you can relax. It's nice to be able to wake up Thursday morning and already be in your camp. That's right. Getting an extra day to uh, set up and then not have to rush because there's not a show to go see. And yeah, right. it makes it a lot easier. Makes it different. But, you know, for us, we're, we live close by, like an hour away. So getting there Wednesday, Thursday, it's not a big deal for us. But, I no, mean, I, if, you're, if you're traveling and you've got, you know, plans to come and it, it takes you six or seven hours or 12 hours or whatever, and it makes it tough when everything's up in the air. You don't know when you're getting in. Yeah, yeah, you feel like you're rushed. 
Mm -hmm. being able to get there. I I like this idea of them opening it up on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm um, for that reason. It lets the, the infrastructure relax too. So, yeah. Yeah. Instead of everybody all showing up at once, they they can stagger the uh, entrance in and, and get everybody set up one at a time or area at a time rather than, Right. And I always, so. always have to remind ourselves too, that what 60 some percent, this is their first time. So that's right. You know, all They've right. Got no reference. Yep. Well, that's part of what we're going to be doing is when we get there, figuring out what's different, what's what the news is. I, there's going to be a bunch. This is an amazing year, like none other for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, do you anticipate any more, maybe, lineup replacements i don't know just just last week we lost uh uncle uncle acid which sucks and then the other one we lost was a weather station is that it i don't remember that i don't don't know replacements seems like everybody Uh, you picked (laughs) (laughs) i know this whole this whole year it's like uh deftones it's yeah we've lost a lot but We'll radiate positivity right that's right it's gonna work out all right all right russ i will uh i'll see you in about four days yeah i know we'll I talk before then but... yeah we'll talk before then but it's gonna be real close all right man have a great day everybody be all careful right, and we'll see you on the farm see you <laughs> there friend this is brad steiner i'm barry quarter after you check out the latest episode of the what podcast be sure to check out some of the other great programs on the consequence podcast network including rootsland it's an original story of two friends who take a musical and spiritual journey from the suburbs of long island to the streets of kingston jamaica or kyle meredith with where you can find interviews with all of your favorite musicians and bands. Hosted by our guy, Kyle Meredith. New episodes air weekly on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Head to consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others.